Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 20th, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 73 in the chapter Into Action, and we will begin reading with the first and the second full paragraph, starting with more than most people. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Rabia M. For the traditions, Alita P. And our readers will be Du L, Judith W, and Deanna B. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, April 19th, 2015, our special edition on the chapter There is a Solution is 7487. That's 7487. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. LA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overreading can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rabia M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Rabia. I am a compulsive overeater from New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. And I will now ask Alita P. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Alita P. in Minnesota. Compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. 
the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may, remain, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Ita. Thank you, Alita P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and our for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book on page 73 in the chapter Into Action and we'll be reading the first and second paragraph starting with more than most people. I will ask Duel to begin reading. Good morning. Um, more than most people, the alcoholic leaves a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on the sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. 
He hopes he they will never see the light of day. He under uh, he's under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. Uh, good morning. My name is Du uh, Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And these two paragraphs really tell my story. Um, you know, when I uh, before I came into program, that's what I did. I, I pushed down my memories. I pushed down my feelings. I pushed down everything through binge drinking and binge eating. And and that's what I did. I did not want to look at how I was affected with my life, you know, what happened in my life. Um, I had a lot of abuse and a lot of different things that I didn't even want anything to come to light. I lived in secret for most of my life. I, I did not know how to trust someone. I did not know how to talk to someone. I did not know how to even bring this to the light of day. And um, I'm so grateful for this program because this program gave me steps that helped me to uncover all that stuff that was inside of me and bring it into the light so that I would not have the fear, I would not have the tension, I would not have these things. And it was done through a process of the fourth step. You know, I had to write down everything down. But now it came to the point where I had to give it over to someone else. I had to uncover all that mess, and I had to trust that something or someone was going to help me to go through this process. And this is where we come to the fifth step, where I had to divulge all of my life story. I had to give all of this out. And, you know, I'm a person that suffers from uh, multiple personality disorder, and I thought never in my life will I heal. Because uh, I have amnesia, I don't. I don't remember a lot of things that I do, um, and I don't remember a lot of things that you know go on in my life a lot of the times. And so, uh, you know, I was so grateful that when um, when I was introduced to the sponsor who was willing to take me through this process, she said, "I'll be willing to take you through this process, but I'm going to take you and all your personalities through the process together." And I thought that was really great because she had to um, let me know a lot of the things that these other personas were saying. And they all did the step work with me. They all did the fifth step with me. And I'm so grateful because of that process. Today, I'm able to get my memories back. Today, I'm able to integrate a lot of that information that I was so not willing to look at because it was so painful. And the only solution that I had was my binge eating. That was the solution that I had. But today, I don't have that solution. That is not my solution anymore. My solution is going through this process of the 12 steps. And so, you know, by talking to someone else about this stuff, uncovering the secrets, uncovering the mess that went on through my life, I was able to heal, and I was able to get better, and I was able to rely on a power greater than myself. And that's the miracle of this program, that if someone like me, who had 30 to 40 personalities, can become one whole person, can become integrated, and heal from this, not only heal from my compulsive overeating, but also every other aspect of my life. That's a miracle. That's what this program has to offer. You know, and it all took being honest, 
being honest and displaying every single cranny of my character defects, of my um, uneasiness, of my uh, troubles and problems and exposing them to the light. And the light was able Um, to clean that out. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. And who would like to comment on these two paragraphs? This is Bella Kemeiser. And Paula D. Matt M. I heard you, Matt. So it's Bella, Matt M, Paula D. Did I miss anybody? Okay, so that'll be the order. Bella, Matt M, and then Paula D. Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kim, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. He is under constant fear and tension. Yes, this is where I was. I didn't know who am I. I didn't think that I want to know who am I. I just was... I wasn't myself. I was an actor. I was wearing so many masks. I was in a play. And every time we, I was different with different people. And I, I was always afraid that maybe two people that I was, I was acting different to them will meet. So then who I will be? Again, I was all the time in fear because I, I needed to prove that I know what I'm doing, that I know what I'm saying, that I know what I'm thinking, and I wanted to, to prove that, you know, I have the power and how I am managing the world. And, yes, I was all the time in tension because what will happen if suddenly people will realize that I am not saying the same things to different people. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Today, I am myself. Today, I don't have to wear masks. Today, I don't want to go out for myself. Yes, thank you, God. Today, I know who am I, and I am happy to be what I am. And today... I am connected to a higher power. Today, my power is not leading me anymore. Today, I am connected to God, to an accepting power. I don't have to prove to nobody that I am right or wrong. I don't have to judge. Today, I am connected to God, and I am giving over the message that God wants for me and not me. Thank you for letting me share in my Thank you, Bella. And Matt M., you are next. Hi, Kim. This is uh, Bigger Career Service. Uh, good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater from New Jersey. So I get so overzealous sometimes when I want to speak because I related so, I related so much to what was just read today. Um, I'm, this is exactly who I am now and, and who I was you know, I, I learned to merge the good parts of myself and the not-so-good parts of myself. And I'm starting not to care who sees the, if someone sees the, the, the unsavory side of me because I can make an amends, I can stop and catch myself when I'm in the middle of that self-serving behavior. 
and stop it and like recognize it a lot quicker. Because someone shared, I was not always able to do that. Um, I was always looking for other people to fix me, so I was always peeing. I would always like find out when I first came to the rooms looking for people who were older than me. Like I was looking for a mommy. I was looking for a sponsor who can tell me what to do and, and fix me rather than me doing the work and me actually admitting my wrongs. And so that's why I never really worked having a sponsor because I wasn't willing to um, uh, to grow in maturity and grow in the willingness that I needed to work the program. Um, it scares me some of the things that I've, I've done after a spree, so horror and remorse and bitterness of having sprees that I've done with food and not even knowing if I said anything wrong or if I did anything wrong to people because my mind didn't want to, didn't want to have me face it. There's a lot of I have there's a lot of things in my overeating career that I have blank spots in my memory still that um I don't remember. People ask me, How could you not remember this person? You met them at this party or that party. I can't say that I actually remember these people because I was so focused on binging and eating and stuffing myself that I was anesthetizing myself that I really don't remember. So I've lost friends because people just don't they don't believe me when I tell them I don't remember what I've done or what I did at certain times just like a blackout drunk. That's exactly how I used to be. And um, it's amazing that I'm starting to realize I don't have to put on masks or hundreds of masks because I want you to see this part of me. I want this person to see this side of me or because I want to get something from you. So I'm going to be the person you want me to be rather than the person I really am. I, it's amazing how I don't, I don't realize I don't have to tremble anymore because I'm afraid what lie did I tell this person or what lie did I tell that person because and then pit, two, pit both those people against the middle, you know, against each other so I won't have to worry about what I actually did to them. You know, it's amazing how I was good at that, like, like, like um, getting people to fight over me. It's just amazing how I'm dishonest and disrespectful and just I did not care about other people's feelings at one time. And uh, I'm grateful that just for today, when those old tragedies that come up by manipulation and deception, I read... Um, the reflection goes exactly to the heart of this self-deception and deeply rooted in ourselves is deception of ourselves. And every time I find myself wanting to lie to someone else, what am I trying to gain? What is the payoff when I, when I want to lie? And I'm just grateful that just for today I came to my senses because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be, even be around me when I'm like that. And I'm grateful that just for today I can make the choice that I don't have to behave that way anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, and Paula D. And thank you, Kim G., for your service today and the opportunity to speak here. Being mindful of the time, I will be, and my name is Paula D., and I am currently in Florida, and I, uh, I am a compulsive reader recovered today by the grace of God. You know, I'm, I'm looking at that first line, and I'll scoot on, but first let's go more than most people. Everyone has these things that they lead a double life and they show once themselves, but we do it more than most people. Same way I ate, same way I drank, same way I did everything, more than most people. But I, it goes on here. It goes on, and I'm going to scoot on down. There's a lot in between, but I'm going to scoot on down to where I found. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. <sighs> what a secret life. Trembling? Oh, I hope they I, I hope they didn't see me there. But I did. And I knew. As fast as he can, he pushes those memories far inside himself. Oh, I won't think of that. 
Isn't it amazing? And what do you think of? He hopes they will never see the light of day. And there they will stay in the darkness and there we will live. You know, I want to just share a little episode here, and I think I have the time, so I'll share it. When I was a child, oh, yes, many years ago, but I was a child, and that memory's still with me. And I got an opportunity to go to a summer camp. And in this camp, no such thing as a pool, uh, they had a lake. And in this lake were something that mm, we call bloodsuckers. Yep. And you'd go in that lake, and you'd come up with all these little things on your body. And you and you go, ugh. Yeah, there they were, in the darkness of the lake. But when you came out to the light of day, it was the strangest thing. You could watch them shrivel up and fall off. They could not do it any other way. There is the light of day, the exposure finally. And what happens without that light? Under constant fear and tension, what a way to live can't that makes them more drinking oh yeah the thinking and the drinking thank you for allowing me to share with that i do pass thank you paula and who else would like to share on that first and second paragraph on page 73 hi this is rachel h i'd like to share okay rachel h anyone else and vasa vasa anyone else Angela from Westchester, New York. Okay, Angela D. Anyone else? Uh, Michelle. Michelle. What's your last initial, first initial of your last name? Oh, S. S is in Sam. Thank you. S is in Sam. Okay, so this is the order. It'll be Rachel H., Vasa O., Angela D., and Michelle S. So Rachel H., take it away. Thank you. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel H., a uh, recovering compulsive overeater calling from New York. I'm really grateful to be on this meeting, appreciating the service and the shares, um, and, of course, the reading. Um, every time I hear readings from the big book, I, I'm able to appreciate it in a new, uh, unprecedented way. Um, you know, for me, this idea of feeling like Jekyll and Hyde, um, feeling like I look one way to everyone around me, but inside I completely hate and despise myself. Um, that's something that was always there for from the time I was really young. And, um, and, and it wasn't until I came into the rooms and learned about this addiction and learned about what it means to have this disease um, that I, I came to see that for me a big aspect of my disease is that performance management. Uh, if I get all of you to think I'm awesome, then maybe I won't feel like I'm such a bad person inside. Um, and of course, it, it never works. It never works because no matter what my external life looks like in terms of social circles, uh, in terms of guys I was dating, uh, family members, accomplishments, like it didn't matter because my insides were completely riddled with self-hatred and a feeling of I am just not good enough and whatever good I have in my life, I don't deserve. So if I do get something good in my life, I'm just going to be nervous all the time that's going to be taken away. I'm going to be nervous that I'm going to find out about who I really am. And um, and so for, for me, that fear, like, well, someone, well, people find out about who I really am, really kept me in the, in the darkness when it came to being vulnerable. 
Um, I always had a very hard time being vulnerable, and I think that Jekyll Hyde thing is part of it because then it's just because there was this feeling of, you know, if I really show my cards, what are people going to say? They're going to be freaked out. Um, and so it was so beautiful to me about these rooms and about the Facebook is that not only did I see that I'm not the only one who struggles, who struggles with that kind of feeling of everyone can like me, but I hate myself or everyone can think I'm awesome, but I feel like I'm such a bad person. But at the same time, through working the steps to no longer have to deal with that, that, that constant, that constant back and forth feeling like I'm, I'm just, feeling such a lack of harmony within the person that I am. Um, and I think through, through, through working that, it was, it, it's only then that I'm able to really connect authentically with people, but also with my higher power. Because whenever I used to pray before, it was just filled with so much hatred of, like, I hate that you made me this way. And through working the steps of being part of the program, I've been able to chat with God, who I call, my higher power, I call God, I'm, I'm able to chat with my higher power in this more total way, because I'm not feeling at odds with myself in the way that people talk about here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And Vasa O, oh, you're next. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kim J., for your service and for everybody being here this morning doing service for, to each other. And I am Vasa, grateful to recover compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And yes, pushing down my memories, my feelings, my anxieties, stuffing with the food, and just repressing and just repressing, keeping them down. Didn't want other people to find out who I really was. Um, and yes, I was going to die with my, my own secrets. You know, I was going to bring them to the grave with shame, and thank God for the 12 steps, and thank God for the fourth and the fifth step that I could go and talk about my secrets, about my fears and my worries and anxieties, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a relief that, you know, I, and, you know, I don't feel like, I'm not the only one that feels like that or has felt like that. And the person that I shared with, they shared their own insecurities that they went through their lives, you know, and how um, they became better with God's help and working the 12 steps. And uh, it was, you know, I, I again, I had a resentment towards my father. I was so afraid to tell him how I felt, what happened in the past, you know, as a child. I was going to write him a letter and put it in the casket when he died because of the fear. And gradually God started removing my fear. And I did write him a letter, but it wasn't a horrible, horrible letter. And told him, you know, I am a big girl now. I don't want you to tell me what to do and how to do. And, you know, it was just a relief that I, and just to, to stick it in the mailbox and just to let it go. And he did call me a few days later. But anyways. Um, I'm just so grateful for the 12 steps and just for being here with every one of us. I feel so at home. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And Angela D., you're next. Can you hear me? It's Angela. Thank you. 
loud and clear. Uh, Thank you for your service, Kim. Uh, I'd like to say in this paragraph, the fear and the tension, the fear. He, he, He is under constant fear and tension that makes him eat more, drink more, live more. I used to wake up every morning with such fear and tension. I was the best actor in the world. Nobody knew my pain, only God, of course. But I I made sure everybody thought I was terrific. I was a terrific person. My reputation was great. Everybody liked me, but I walked around with such emptiness in my soul. And today I could say through this program, this outstanding life through the grace of God, introduces me to we the people it's a we program that we can share our pain our gratefulness our sorrows we can share that today we don't have to be afraid anymore and each day i'm thankful that i can give my fear over to god and ask him for his will so i am so grateful that today my fear and my tension is under my feet for today. But every day I have to work it because I could become fearful again and I'm, I hopefully never pick up the food again. All right? But because of this program and this telephone and this, and this we program, I can live. And I thank you. And I pass. And I thank you. Thank you, Angela D. And Michelle F. Michelle, hit star one. We can't hear you. Hi, I'm so sorry. Good morning. Michelle asked, I'm uh, gratefully recovering from Hulk's Overeater. And, um, yeah, thank you, everyone on the line, for your service. And I was just thinking what uh, a contradiction in terms I I was. Uh, I was so... You know, that that thought, egomaniac with an inferiority complex, Um, I was so full of shame and really uh, did not like myself. Uh, I didn't know myself, and I didn't like myself, and I believed a lot of the things that I grew up with, um, you know, a lot of shame over really things that uh, I hadn't, you know, I had no ability to break down and break apart and unpack until... I started doing some work on the fourth uh, step and shared that with others and, you know, still uncovering things, you know, deep from my childhood uh, where I felt kind of fatally flawed and like there was something wrong with me. And really on closer examination, those are just things that I internalized as a child and there's no, there's no fact to them. Um, you know, I, I was so full of shame for so long I had to pretend to be someone else. And, I was afraid of people seeing the real me uh, because I didn't know who the real me was. I didn't know what I stood for. I didn't live a principled life. You know, I, I love the 12 steps because they lead us to live by a set of principles. So, you know, it's no longer my whim or my emotion just making decisions about what I'm going to do. I'm living by a set of principles. And after I cleaned up the wreckage of the past, um, 
you know, I could start living authentically, being okay, looking people in the eye and being okay with myself, even if people were unhappy with what I might be deciding, with what I might be saying or doing, you know, agreeing to disagree with others without being disrespectful. Um, You know, I'm grateful today that I can live authentically, that I can look in the mirror, that I can feel good about myself, that I don't live in fear of others seeing the real me. Um, I also am okay to let myself be vulnerable today uh, because of the 12 steps, because I decided what I stood for um, through, you know, working the steps, and then I, I, now I act like it. I don't just, you know, I'm not a Jekyll and Hyde. I don't just change with whoever and whatever I'm doing anymore. I live by a set of principles thanks to the 12 steps. And uh, so I'm just so grateful, and um, thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye, Pat. Thank you, Michelle S. And maybe we'll have one or two more shares before we move on. Does anyone else want to share in this paragraph before we move to the next paragraph? Anita J. Anita, and maybe one more person? Okay, Anita, well, have you shared, and we'll move on to the next paragraph. All right. Hi. Thank you very much, Kim, for your service and everybody here on the line and everybody listening or taking part. I'm Anita Jay, a recovered compulsive overeater living in Massachusetts. Uh, grateful, grateful for this, the 12 steps, Bill W., and also vision for you and the guides. Uh, this constant fear and tension, that's what I wanted to share on. Uh, or I really want to share on my lack of it now. Since last July, the day I felt I had done a giant turnaround on the whole world, uh, that fear and tension appears to be gone. And it's very sad to think um, somebody very close to me who's now listening to Vision shared to me that she wakes up every morning with this fear and tension of the future of that time of the day. And I understood, I understood, but I also understood that it's gone now. I've done a lot in my many years of work. I've done the inner child work. I've done all kinds of things. But that still feel of disease was with me. And regular abstinence before this process with you guys, uh, that didn't go away. That didn't go away. This time, it had nothing to do with my weight. I am, you know, at that point, I don't know how many months of abstinence I had when I looked at myself and felt comfortable in my own skin. My God, I never knew a person could feel like that. And I wish it for everybody. I do. I just think if you can plunge in. I plunged in. I don't know why. I thank God I did. Um, and um, I thank God that this was that this was here when it was here. And maybe that's what it is. Anita, you didn't you wouldn't have listened earlier, but you listen now. Maybe that's true for everybody. And with that, thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And Judith W., we're going to continue. So we're going to be on that third paragraph on page 173, on page 73. Thank you, Judith. 
Thanks, Kim. Thanks for your service. This is Judith W. in London, UK. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Thanks. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. Well, so that's, I mean, we're here we are in step five. We're talking about admitting to somebody, to ourselves and to a higher power, the exact nature of these wrongs. And um, the, I think it's true that psychologists would agree with us that we, we don't honestly, we don't show up and tell the truth. We hide a lot. And um, I think for myself, I definitely was hiding when I went to anybody, uh, even to sponsors. I've wasted thousands of hours with sponsors, let alone thousands of dollars with uh, therapists. Um, I remember I was with a therapist once where I, I uh, expressed myself and she said, well, you know what, why don't you start off eating wheat bread? And, uh, and I didn't want to tell her, like, I'm completely allergic to wheat. It drives me insane and I end up eating loads and loads of sugar two weeks after I eat wheat. I didn't want to tell her because I thought, well, this is good news. I can eat wheat bread. I mean, that's insanity right there. But anyway, I just wanted them to tell me what I wanted and therefore I would just tell them what I thought was necessary. You know, and then wasted hours with sponsors, trying to find a perfect sponsor who would do it my way. Complete waste of time. So we have spent thousands of hours being un untruthful. I know for myself, I definitely was like that. Hours and money. And then it says, but we, no, we, don't, we know a few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. Well, you know, I know I boo-hooed to my therapist and that was part of her job. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend too many years in there, but, you know, I know that. Uh, but at the same time, it was never fair. I went to a doctor once and asked him to give me the hormone treatment and then he eat 500 calories a day. It's an insane treatment. And I did it for 21 days, but I forgot to tell her that whenever I come off of those kind of crazy, shitty, crazy diets, I am a manic, maniac, like a fool with food. And uh, it doesn't take much to get me there, but just starve me for a few weeks and I will go nuts. And I did. I took off 21 pounds in 21 days and I put them right back on in about a week uh, because I forgot to tell her that I was a binging lunatic. Um, I just wanted a human to solve my problem and I think it's telling us here like honesty, and it mentions it a thousand times in this chapter, honesty is the only thing that will get me out of it. Honesty will help me help myself. Honesty will help others give me a hand. But I think if you read further, Dr. Jung, Dr. Silkworth said it's absolutely a phenomenon. It's not possible for these people to get help by just another person. We're going to need a bigger spiritual intervention. Um, so, but we've got to start somewhere, and part of that starting is in step four and five, is cleaning up our side of the street. So I know that at some point later on in the years of OA, I had to get really honest um, with everybody around me, um, because if I can't be honest with those kind of people that I'm paying, there's no way I'm going to be honest with everybody else. And uh, I think the last line where it says it's small wonder that they have a low opinion of us, and I honestly think they probably will never study the addiction cycle because none of us can really tell them the truth. Uh, maybe now, maybe now there's more emergence of truth being told. Maybe they'll have a, a handle on some more of the insanity. It might be a helpless with those things. But I think deep down was the biggest problem is I didn't ever want to tell people that it wasn't just the food I had a problem with. It was the re you know restless irritability and discontent that I really responded weirdly to and ended up stuffing myself with food. So I think here it's just being clear. You know, we have got to be honest. Um, and we got to stop wasting people's time in the program and in in the you know in the 
the professional field. And if we can be honest, we have a chance of recovery. We can have it. And, and for today, I feel like the chance has been given to me, and thank God a year later, it's feeling like really clear. You know, I, I, have some, I have some freedom from that insanity and dishonesty. Thanks for letting me share that I'll pass. Thank you, Judith W. And who would like to share on this third paragraph on page 73? Rachel W. Okay, Rachel W. Anyone else? Okay, we'll start with Rachel W. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kim. Thank you for your service and everyone here that's on the line today. You know, um, for me, both of these paragraphs are really tying in together, um, coming to a sense as he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Those, those, you know, there's one memory in particular that comes to mind where I had just binged and I was uh, a step away from a food coma and I was driving and I was thinking to myself how I was not fit to be on the roads and how scary that was. And I have, you know, I'm 16 years in the program and previous to that I had plenty of other, you know, times that I had, you know, t- times in, in relapse and program and times before that I, I had so many episodes, but none of them were enough to keep me abstinent. You know, they, they, even though I can marvel at how revolting they are, but none of them were, you know, helpful to me because that's just not how I'm wired. And, and later on, you know, in the second paragraph where it says, um, we have seldom told them the whole truth. You know, I think for me, um, it all fits together because the more devastating and revolting the memory was, the more I, I did not want it to see the light of day. And we say, you know, we're sick of our secrets. So I know for me, I had, I had justified a lot of my behavior. So in my, in my years in program, the reasons why I relapsed was because when I came to step five, I would hit a brick wall. And either I, the first time I gave over a step five, my sponsor um, left uh, without a trace. And I figured I'm never going to trust anyone again. But really, I was just using that as an excuse not to do this work. Um, and later on, I just, uh, I think that the other reason, you know, why when I gave over a step five, it wasn't thorough enough was because I, I had justified so much of my behavior. And coming clean and getting honest means that I can, I can have the promises that, that we are, were, you know, that are, are you know, um, later on going to come as a result of doing this fifth step. And there's a guarantee here that if I don't do this thoroughly, um, I, I will pick up again, you know. And, and, but yet I know that now, for now the promise for me is that um, I can look the world in the eye. I'll be able to do that, you know, when I do this work um, as thoroughly as I need to, and I won't have to. There's not, an, to the, you know, today, thank God, um, I live in a world where I, I can pretty much look anyone in the eye, and I feel, you know, a, you know, when I'm alone, I'm at perfect peace and ease, and it's such a, such a miracle, and I'm so grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rachel. And who else would like to share this paragraph? This is Ann L. from Washington State. I'd like to share. Leah. Okay. Okay, Ann L. We have Leah M. And anyone else? Kathy K. And Kathy K. Rabia. And Rabia. Okay, so we have Ann L., Leah M., Kathy K., and Rabia M. Ann L., start us off. Okay. Um... Gee, I've, I've really appreciated hearing so much of what people have had to say about the issue of honesty. And um, I remember when I first, many, many years ago, more than I can even remember, came through the 
first 12-step doors of my life, I actually believed that if I ever told anybody about anything that was really going on in my life or in my childhood, that I would go insane, that, that there was so much fear around breaking the silence about any of those issues in my life that I actually didn't think I would be able to survive through it. And that kept me locked in silence and in, in, in fear for even longer. And um, But uh, thank goodness this program, what I've learned over the years is that, and, and I also thought that I was a, basically a pretty honest person when I first walked through the doors too, and I didn't really understand what people were talking about, about the need for being honest and the need for breaking the silence about the things in our life that help, that, that help hold us back. But um, what I found is that this program, is, the 12-step life, is such a gentle and kindly and compassionate way of living that all I really needed to do was just keep coming back. And just keep listening to all of you talk about your own experience, strength, and hope. And eventually what that did was gave me the desire to start actually working the steps and later the traditions and later the concepts. It gave me the desire to face the fears that held me in such terrible, terrible silence for so much of my life. And the honesty part of it just started coming naturally along the way. Once I got over the fear of betraying my family by telling the family secrets out loud to a group of strangers, it started freeing me up to begin to be able to look deeply at the issues that had been impacting me and deeply at the fears that held me in silence. So all I can say is um, today I do live an honest life and I know when I'm not being honest. And I have many, many friends and uh, other people in program I can call to help me see what I need to be seeing at that moment around the fear that can still hold me in silence at times. But mostly what's happening is this very gentle, kindly, compassionate, easy way of opening up to the truth of my own life. And it's called the 12 steps and 12 traditions and 12 concepts of the 12-step way of life. I am so grateful to have been led to this life. And I'm so grateful the way the quiet place inside that opens up for me because of abstinence because of program, because of everything I'm learning through program and continue to learn after years and years and years of being here. And I love this program and I love this life and I'll never, ever leave it behind. Thanks. Thanks, Anne. And Leah M., you're next. Thanks so much, Kim, for your service. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. You know, I spent uh, years in therapy um, 
regurgitating my history, but just kind of, you know, spinning in circles. You know, there's a saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. In the program of recovery, there is a specific aim, goal, and objective, uh, and that is to get to a place called recovered um, through the process of these steps, you know, where ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force, um, are suddenly cast aside and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate me. And that's exactly what the step four five, six, seven, eight, nine process of the inventory process allows for. You know, in step four, I did, a, you know, the, the writing, examining my resentments, fears, sex, conduct. Here in step five, which we're studying now, it was an opportunity to dismantle, you know, and disintegrate that mask that had developed through my selfishness and self-centeredness and what a wonderful opportunity. Here I was sitting across from someone who had had the experience themselves. They understood the 12-step process. They understood the big book inventory steps and what I was trying to do, what the goal, aim, and objective was. Um, and, you know, this person that we sit with, not a therapist, but somebody who has had this experience, they have enough compassion to listen to everything I had written down in those columns, they have enough integrity to respect my confidence and enough insight because they too had walked the same path. They had enough insight through the text to help me keep the exact nature of my wrongs within my field of vision. So it helped me avoid getting sidetracked by blaming others uh, for things that occurred. You know, and as I was going through my step four inventory, it got pretty repetitious because I began to see how my selfishness, my dishonesty, my self-seeking, and my fear had permeated my entire life and how I created virtually identical patterns in so many different situations and in so many relationships. So this process was like a rotor rooter that began cleaning out the sludge that was blocking the sunlight of the spirit, which I so desperately needed. You know, it didn't take much time. I'm not telling my whole life story from the womb to that moment. I'm not answering a bunch of questions um, in enormous detail that have nothing, no relevancy. I wasn't detailing the wrongs that others had done to me. I was just focusing on the major defects of character and sharing them with another human being. That is the process of step five. That began to place me on a path of spiritual development and introduce me to a way of life that was going to foster my humanity and uh, give me the opportunity to have harmony with those around me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Kathy Kay. Kathy, we can't hear you. Hi, I just got unmuted. Thank you. Um, this is Kathy Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Um, I didn't think I would have anything to share on Step 5 today, but uh, what I realize is how important this kind of sharing is. Even after we've become recovered, it has to become a way of life, um, and it's reflected in step 10 as we live 
uh, a rigorously honest life on a daily basis. And I found recently when um, I was hit with a family crisis that my natural inclination was to hide it from the world and to act as if uh, I'm okay um, because I carried uh, a selfishness and insecurity that that surfaced, resurfaced, which had been dormant for uh, many years. Um, so today I realize that what we learn in Step 5 um, is critical to living in recovery. It's not a one-time experience, but something we need to do on a daily basis whenever we're confronted with resentment, fear, or some other character defect. Um, I thought, too, that I was an honest person before I came to these rooms, and what I know today is that... um, I can slip up with my honesty uh, if I'm overwhelmed by worldly events. Um, So to be reminded that this is so critical to staying in a life of recovery uh, is really helpful to me. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. And Rabia M., you're going to end um, end the meeting. Thank you very much. (coughs) Good morning. Hello, visionaries. This is Rabia M. I am a compulsive overeater from New York, and I, too, love and are deeply grateful for the life um, I have the opportunity to live each day by working and living in these 12 steps. And I love listening to everyone this morning, and I'm especially struck by the humility on the line because I know there are psychologists and mental health professionals and medical professionals on the line and who have chosen to not divulge their credentials today. And um, and as I learned so many years in these 12-step programs to to leave my credentials at the door, you know, and speak from my own personal experience. Um, And I, too, have spent so much of my adult life in therapy. And, um, and of of course, I never told the whole truth because to this day, I have never been witnessed in the throes of a binge, a full-blown binge. And Nobody has ever seen me eat like that. I would never allow anyone to eat my, like that. And and I guess the biggest fear I would ever have in my life is that that somebody might have witnessed it without me knowing it. You know, that was my uh, greatest shame. It was my greatest hidden truth. And so, so all the time I was wor- working with therapists, you know, we would get to a certain point in therapy and then I would binge again and go back into my resentments and my blaming. And, and of course, they would get so frustrated, of course, you know, um, and have a low opinion of me and my chance of recovery. Um, and, and, of course, that's not true today because we all are learning these steps, the work that we need to do to live this beautiful life. And thank you for letting me share. With that, I pass.
Thank you, Rabia. And closing the meeting. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close the reading, close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Deanna B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Deanna B., can you hit star one to unmute? Kim, this is Melanie. I can do that if it would be helpful. Thank you very much, Melanie. Hi. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.